question this morning. How many of you have ever had a dead car battery? Okay. What do you need when you have a dead car battery? A cell phone and a AAA card. I was thinking of something else. Um, let me show you what I was thinking of, actually. It's in my bag here. Um, you know what's in the bag, right? What's in the bag? Yeah, jumper cables, absolutely. Um, could I get a volunteer, a brave volunteer, to help me illustrate an idea this morning? Okay, there comes Mike. <laughs> I can always count on Mike. All right, here's the deal. Let's say, Mike, that, that you woke up this morning. Okay, let me come down. You woke up this morning, and, man, you just couldn't get started. Um, your heart was like a dead battery. So you called me up, and you said, hey, Pastor Dudley, listen, I'm really tired, and I'm feeling down and discouraged. Could you please help me? And I say, well, of course, Mike, I'll be right there. So I show up, and I have my bag with me, and I have these special jumper cables. Now, these are not ordinary jumper cables. They may look like ordinary jumper cables, but these are gospel jumper cables. All right? And here's how they work. Gospel jumper cables enable you to connect your heart to another person. So, Mike, here, just clip that to your pants or some other place that works. Okay? So we're going to, let's see, okay, here you go. All right. This is a good way to remember this, right? <laughs> All right. Now, now here's how gospel jumper cables work. The, the power in my heart can now flow to Mike's heart. Because what I've done is I've come alongside Mike. And, and I can talk with Mike and I can remind him of things that, that are true from the Bible. We can pray together. And as we do that, the power from my heart flows into Mike's heart. Because see, when I woke up this morning, I put on my gospel glasses. I, I did, and I remembered, hey, because of Jesus, I have a new record, I have a new identity, I have a new potential. So my heart is full of energy and excitement and enthusiasm and power, and that's just, do you feel the power, Mike? I do. Okay, I'm glad you do. You're feeling better already. But here's the thing. Mike woke up, and he was really down and discouraged but now that's different because Mike is, charged. starts with an E. He's charged up. Starts with an E. He is energized, E-N-C, encouraged. He is encouraged. And here's why I bring this up. Because today I want to talk to you about the power of encouragement. So Mike, we can disconnect now that you're fully charged and fully encouraged. Okay? So my objective today, I, I can't go around and, you know, connect with everybody. So we'll just do that from here. But the Bible has a lot to say about the topic of encouragement. Take a look at this verse. This is a verse written to Christians in the, in the first century. It's from the book of Thessalonians, and it says this. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. And church, I want to commend you, because I come into this place on Sunday morning, on Wednesday night, throughout the week, and you know what I hear? I hear people encouraging one another, and that encourages me. Now, today as we look at this topic of encouragement, well, there's the verse. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Okay. I want to answer three questions. And the first question is this. What is encouragement? The second question is, well, why do we need it? And the third is, okay, we need it. How does it work? So let me give you a working definition of encouragement, and this is on your outline. Encouragement is a kind of expression that helps someone keep trying to do what pleases God. Notice this, even when life is hard. 
How many of you have ever been through a hard situation in your life? We all have. Some of you are going through a hard situation right now. You need encouragement to keep doing what pleases God. Because sometimes we need encouragement because we're going through a crisis. Other times, things are just not working out the way we had planned or the way we had hoped. Sometimes we need encouragement because we're sick or we're tired. Or sometimes you're sick and tired and you need encouragement. Sometimes it's because somebody did something that really disappointed you. Sometimes we need encouragement because we disappointed ourselves. Think about this. What kind of person encourages you? What kind of person encourages you? This is how people answer that question in a survey. Someone who really listens and doesn't immediately tell me I was wrong. Somebody who tries to understand how I feel. The person that encourages me makes me feel special. Somebody who encourages me is a person I can disagree with and not be afraid that they will get angry. I'm encouraged by the person who sees hope for me no matter how bad things seem to be. Now here's the flip side. What kind of person discourages you? And from the same survey, here are some responses. The person who expects perfection and is never satisfied no matter how much I do. The person who only notices my bad points. Somebody who's always too busy to listen. Somebody who constantly puts me down. Somebody who embarrasses me and doesn't even know it. Now the Bible is clear that, that God wants us to give and receive encouragement, but why do we need encouragement? Now I could talk for hours about why we need encouragement, but I've just picked out three reasons this morning that I wanna share with you. And the first one is this. Encouragement stimulates the hope that solutions, stimulates the hope that help is available for the problems we face today. Encouragement, encouragement stimulates the hope that help is available for the problems we face today. One of the things that really discourages us is when we've got a situation and we think there's no way out. There is nobody who can help us. Now that could be a situation at work, a situation with your family, a situation with your finances. And there is this rather predictable progression of how we feel. At first we're disappointed, and then we become discouraged. And if we stay discouraged, we start getting depressed. And if we stay depressed, we end up in despair. Now what is the opposite of despair? What word? Four letters, starts with an H. Yeah, hope, hope. Now here's the verse that our series of messages has been based on. It's Romans 15:4, and it says this, for everything that was written in the past referring to Old Testament stories, was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And for the last several weeks, we've been talking about these stories. We talked about uh, Joshua and the battle of Jericho and how that gives us hope. Well, today I wanted to do a brief timeout because what we need to understand is how encouragement works. I mean, yeah, these stories are meant to give us endurance. You can see it right there, endurance and encouragement, and encouragement leads to hope. But the way that encouragement gives us hope is that it points out that there's help available for the problems that we face. And sometimes we, we think about that and go, well, yeah, I guess that's a good idea, but, but you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know how big this problem is. You don't know how overwhelming this is. And let me say this, if that's how you're feeling this morning, remember this, you might be right. Maybe there is no person who can help you, but God can. In fact, look at this verse from Psalm 46. It says this, that God 
is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Somebody said one time that a Bible that's falling apart is usually owned by somebody who's not. I like that. Because listen, if you feel like you're falling apart, realize God can hold you together. And often he does that through encouragement, the encouragement of his word and the encouragement of other people. There was a time in the first century when this group of Christians were going through some really tough times and this man named Paul, a follower of Jesus, wanted to really encourage them. And so this is what he does. He talks about it in 1 Thessalonians. He says, we sent Timothy, who's our brother in gospel, and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ. And here's why they sent Timothy, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. And isn't that a picture of what happens when trouble and trials come into our lives, we get unsettled. It's like the foundation begins to shake and we need to be encouraged. So the first thing that I want you to see is that encouragement stimulates the hope that help is available for the problems we face. Now here's another reason that we need encouragement and this is really important. Encouragement keeps us from developing what kind of heart? A hard heart. Look at this verse from the book of Hebrews. It says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another weekly, annually. What does it say? Daily. We need encouragement every single day because here's the deal. We have holes in our hearts and the courage leaks out. So we need a fresh Supply of courage every day. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Why? So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, why is it that people get hard hearts? And I think here's the simple answer. Because the world's a hard place. Isn't that true? I mean, there is a lot of hurt and pain and disappointment in this world. And if you allow yourself to continually be discouraged, to become cynical, you're going to have a hard heart. And when you have a hard heart, it is really hard to receive encouragement from other people. You've probably had this experience. You have a friend or a family member who's discouraged and you've tried to speak words to encourage them and they just don't want to receive it. They don't want to hear it. It's like, let's say that, you know, when I was connecting the cable to Mike this morning, like a car battery, you know when you have rust all over the battery terminal? That, that power won't flow into the battery. It's the same thing. When you have a hard heart, it's like rust on your heart. And the encouragement just won't flow in. Remember a story that I heard about um, the devil when he had a garage sale? And he had all these tools that he was selling, like pride and envy and jealousy. And this guy's shopping, and he's in the devil's garage, and he sees this tool on the corner. He says, hey, what's that? He goes, well, that's not for sale. And the guy says, well, I like the look of that tool. I'd like to buy it. He goes, the devil says, that is not for sale. And the guy says, well, what tool is that? And the devil says, that's my best tool, discouragement. And that is so true. Now listen, here's a question. How does our enemy, our spiritual enemy Satan, discourage us? By getting us to believe his lies. Have you ever had this thought, nobody cares about me, nobody can help me, or you, I have this thought, there, I did it again, I lost my temper, I'm never gonna change. Listen, those are lies from the enemy intended to discourage you. Because I will tell you this, and this is such an important thought, God never wants to discourage you. So when you have a discouraging thought, it's not coming from God. 
It may be coming from the enemy. It may be coming from you because the lies we tell ourselves are often echoes of the lies of the enemy. Because here's the truth of God's word. You know what? God cares about every detail of your life. The truth is you can change because God will give you his power to do that. So remember that one of the benefits of encouragement is to protect you and me from the lies of the enemy so that we don't get what kind of heart? A hard heart. And here's a third thing. Encouragement enables us to accomplish what God's called us to do. Encouragement enables us to accomplish what God's called us to do. Here's a verse, and this is God speaking to Moses. He says, but commission Joshua, and if you remember the story, Moses is going to pass the mantle of leadership to Joshua, but commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across, that's across the Jordan River, and will cause him to inherit the land that you will see. Now, from our story last week, did it take Israel a long time to get into the promised land? How long? 40 years. Did they face any obstacles along the way? Well, absolutely. Did they ever get discouraged? You bet they did. Now, what about you? Does it sometimes seem like it's taking way too long? I had no idea it would take this long to get where I'm trying to go. Ever face obstacles along the way? Ever get discouraged? Of course we do. So what do we need? Well, like Joshua, we need somebody like Moses who can come alongside us and encourage us. And there's a great example of this in the New Testament about a man who was known for his gift of encouragement. It says this, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. When you read the book of Acts, it's really quite interesting because God calls this man, Paul, to be his, his representative, to be his missionary to the entire Mediterranean world. God's given him this incredible mission. But God also brings Barnabas alongside Paul to encourage him every step of the way. Now, if you're a mom this morning, you need somebody to come alongside you and to encourage you to accomplish the mission God has given you as a mom. Dads, same thing. You need somebody to come alongside you and encourage you to accomplish the mission that God has given you as a father. That's true of grandparents. That's true of students. Christian, remember this morning that God never intended you to face life alone. You need somebody to come alongside you and encourage you to accomplish the mission that Jesus has given you. And let me say this, if you have somebody like that in your life today, thank God for them. And if you need somebody like that in your life today, that should be at the top of your prayer list. God, I need a friend. I need an encourager. I need somebody to come alongside me and encourage me to live a life that honors and pleases you because God, right now, life is hard. That's the prayer that you need to pray. Well, so far, we've defined encouragement, some reasons why we need it. I want to take just a couple of minutes to talk about how encouragement works. I mean, how is it that you actually give and receive encouragement? Now, we all know that words are really important, that words can encourage, that words can discourage. So what kind of words do we need? Well, here's the first thing. We need words that are motivated by love. Words that encourage are motivated by love. Look at this, this verse. It says, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Now, for encouragement to work, 
we've got to want to encourage each other, right? So what is it that will motivate you to step out of your world into the world of somebody else so you can encourage them? What is it that will motivate you to do that? Starts with an L. Love, exactly. Why does God want to encourage you? Because, listen, right now, at this very moment, God wants to encourage you through this message. I know that, because he says so in his book. Why does God want to encourage you? Because he, he loves you. Because he loves you, he wants to encourage you. So words that encourage are motivated by love, but we all know this, that love is risky business, isn't it? really is. Sometimes we hold back being involved in people's lives because we don't know what to say. Or we're afraid to say the wrong thing. We're afraid that if we're really honest with people, if we really tell them what they need to hear, even though it's in love, even though it's with grace, it, it could damage the relationship. Sometimes we're afraid it could destroy the relationship. But church, listen, if we're going to be used by God to encourage one another, we have to take the risk of loving each other in that way. So let's say that you see somebody who's discouraged and you're thinking, whoa, I really want to encourage this person. What should I say? Well, that's a good question because we know that our words can encourage, but they can also do what? They can discourage. For example, um, a parent says to a child who's nervous about the first day of school, I don't know what you're so nervous about. I was never nervous on the first day of school. And I had to walk five miles in the snow with cardboard in my shoes. Or the person who's waiting for that medical report and their friend says, oh, don't worry, it's probably nothing, you'll be fine. Well, what if it's something and I'm not? Or the, or the woman who's struggling with her marriage and her friend says, I always knew you could do better than him. We need words that will actually encourage. Now, look at this statement. We need words that are motivated by love, but here's the, the companion piece Words that encourage are directed toward what? They're directed toward fear. And we have all kinds of fear, don't we? So many kinds of fear. Um, another word for fear is phobia. And I have a, a short quiz for you. A phobia quiz. Are you ready? Different kinds of fear. This, this may be something that, that you struggle with. Or, or not. Here's the first. And these are kind of obscure, some of them anyway. Um, gelatophobia. Does anybody know what that is? That's the, the fear of being laughed at. Um, ophthalmophobia, the fear of being stared at. Some of, I can see if, that, if you're afraid of that, Jeannie. <laughs> um, here's another one. Um, Jurassophobia, the fear of growing old. Hmm. How about this one? Um, Peniaphobia, P-E-N-I-A, that's the fear of poverty. A lot of people have that fear. What if I lose everything? What if I have no money? Um, what about this one? Ecclesiophobia. That's the fear of church. I hope none of you have that fear today because you're here. So you're overcoming your fear if you're here. So, but here's the thing. Let me ask you this. What is your greatest fear? Really, what is your greatest fear? Years ago when I was a firefighter, if you were to ask me, hey, what's your greatest fear? Without hesitation, I tell you this, being paralyzed. I'd been on rescue calls <clears throat> where people had um, life-altering injuries and ended up paralyzed. And it was last year that I had surgery on my right arm and a week later found out that my hand was paralyzed. So I had an opportunity to work through that fear. And I, I remember sitting in the doctor's office realizing, hey, my hand is paralyzed. 
And I looked at Chris, and she looked at me. Chris is my wife. And she has the gift of encouragement. And so we get in the car, and we're driving home. And because her words were motivated by love and directed toward my fear, she said, you know what? We're going to get through this. So let's figure out what we need to do. The first thing we need to do is pray. And then we need to ask other people to pray. Then we need to find a really good physical therapy practice. And then we need to change your diet so that you can reduce inflammation so your body has a chance to heal. And I listened to those words, and it was like, yeah, it's going to be fine. Because of her encouragement. And listen, I'm really, really thankful that God has put somebody in my life um, as such an encourager. And that's what I pray for each one of you as well. Somebody who can speak words motivated by love and directed toward fear. Because you know what? When you think about it, when you're a Christian, God wants to change us so that we become more and more like who? Like Jesus, like him, exactly. And God, when he speaks to us, this is really remarkable. He speaks words that are motivated by love and directed toward our what? Toward our fears. The most repeated command in the Bible is what? Two words. Fear not. 365 times, I understand. I never counted personally, but I've read that. One for every day of the year. Fear not. And just to give you an example, this is from the book of, of Isaiah, where God says, but now Israel, the Lord who created you says, do not be afraid, for I've ransomed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. When you go through deep waters and great troubles, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Those are words directed toward the fear of Israel, motivated by love from the heart of God. And that's how encouragement works. Now think about this. What is the first emotion mentioned in the Bible? What do you think it is? If I was going to guess, I'd say fear, because <laughs> that's what we're talking about. And if you guess fear, you'd be right. Because look at this. This is a, a passage from the book of Genesis describing what happens after Adam and Eve disobey God. It says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I, uh, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. I was afraid because I was naked. Why is Adam afraid? It's not just that his body is exposed to God. His body has been exposed to God the whole time. The real reason that Adam's afraid is his heart is now exposed to God, and God is seeing things in Adam's heart that were never there before. Now there's regret. Now there's shame. Now there's guilt. And there is fear in Adam and Eve's heart. Why? Well, because they know that God told them that if they disobeyed him, they would surely die. There's the fear of punishment. There's the fear of separation. There's the fear of, I don't know what's coming next. And that is such a remarkable story because God doesn't just leave them in a state of fear. He speaks words of hope into the hearts of the two people he loves so dearly. He says, Adam and Eve, listen, there's consequences for your disobedience, but I want you to know something. And this is a paraphrase. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be a curse but here's a promise. Eve, a child's going to be born one day who will change everything. This child is going to crush the head of the serpent who just tempted you. And of course, that's a prophecy for who? For Jesus Christ. Jesus comes and, and restores the relationship of God's people with him. And see, 
this is what's amazing. That story is about encouragement because before Adam and Eve leave the Garden of Eden, God encourages them. And that really is, is what happens in the gospel, this good news about Jesus. Because consider this, if you really believe the bad news of the gospel, and the bad news is pretty straightforward. We're sinners. We decided to go our own way. God says, well, there's consequences. Um, you're going to be punished for your sin. You're going to die and be separated from me forever. Um, you can't rescue yourself. If you really believe that, what emotion do you think you'd experience? Seriously, what, what emotion? Fear. I mean, just like Adam and Eve experienced fear, the fear of, well, I don't want to be punished. I don't want to be separated from God and everything good. I don't know what's going to happen to me. There would be a legitimate fear in your heart. And I love the hymn Amazing Grace. And most everybody knows the first verse, right? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. But when you get to verse 2, it says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to," does anybody know? Fear. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fear relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed." Believe what? That Jesus loves me. I had this fear because I embraced the bad news, but then I understood that Jesus came to this world and lived a perfect life, and because of his great love, went to a cross and died for me. That God was willing to take my failure and my sin and put it squarely on Jesus, and he took a bullet for me, he died in my place, and God raised him back to life. And now, because of this great love, I'm offered a new life of hope, a life of encouragement, a life where it is possible, with God's help, to be free from fear. Look at this verse written by John, Jesus' best friend, said this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, where do you find perfect love? In a perfect God and a perfect savior. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with what? With punishment. Listen, if you're a Christian this morning, please put on your gospel glasses all the time and remind yourself, because of Jesus, I am totally accepted. I am deeply loved. I am completely forgiven. Because of Jesus Christ, I have a new record. I have a new identity. I have a new potential. I don't have to live in fear anymore. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, you can't be by giving your life to him. Now let me just wrap things up here. If you look at this statement on your outline, it says one person I will encourage today is, I want you to do something in response to the message. I want you to reach out and encourage somebody. Um, send them a text message after the service. Um, an email, a tweet, a note, whatever it is. But I just, I made a quick note of some things you could say just to kind of get you thinking in that direction. You could say, hey, I appreciate how hard you're trying to change. That encourages people when you say that. How about this? Thank you for looking for ways to encourage me. I'm here if you want to talk. God can help you get through this. Hey, don't forget I'm praying for you. Those words can be used by God to encourage the people in your life. And let me just share a very short story. This is such an incredible story about the power of encouragement. It goes like this. For years, William Wilberforce pushed Britain's parliament to abolish slavery. Discouraged, he was about to give up. His elderly friend, John Wesley, and John Wesley is a guy who wrote a lot of Christian hymns, 
a pastor, his elderly friend John Wesley heard of it and from his deathbed called for pen and paper. With trembling hand, Wesley wrote, unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But William, if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them stronger than God? Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might till even American slavery shall vanish. Wesley died six days later. But Wilberforce fought for 45 more years. And in 1833, three days before his own death, he saw slavery abolished in Britain. Listen, the words of encouragement that you offer to somebody today not only have the power to change their life, those words have the power to change the world. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you so very much, God, for this um, encouragement that comes from your heart to ours. And Lord, as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus and his great love right now, would you please do this? Pour your encouragement into our hearts. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.